and welcome back to another episode of Ladies First. We're coming off of our fall break, and I am Corey back with you with Sahar today. Hi, everyone. And I apologize for the buzzsaw in the background. This is just part of living in, like, downtown L.A.-ish. So, we're going to deal with it today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're going to be talking about not necessarily a specific fandom today, but it's something that relates to Sahara and I. So, I'm going to let her kind of lead this today and um we're not necessarily trying to make an indictment i feel like i have to put this disclaimer on all of our heavier episodes but we are trying to start a dialogue so yada yada i've said my piece without further ado go ahead Sahara, take it away okay so this is actually something that Corey and i have talked about just over facebook a couple of times but a couple days ago i was on twitter And I saw a tweet that essentially boiled down to TV show producers making a character gay and Muslim is not a personality. It's a lazy trope to make them seem more interesting and multidimensional so that the writers can just push them off to the side after they get their woke points, if you will. Who tweeted it actually went on to clarify that what they meant, they're totally for having LGBTQ-identified Muslim characters but they were tired of seeing them not well-developed and then only there, again, to get the woke points. And while I understand where that premise is coming from and completely agree with them, because I can talk about a couple of characters all day long, I think it speaks to a larger issue in television that we have with religious characters in general, because especially in American media, the default is that characters are Christian or non-religious. So that when you get a character who's actually identified as Muslim or Jewish or Hindu or what have you, any other identity label that can come along with that can become seen as some kind of, the writers are just doing it to get, um, you know, conversation going, which I think is definitely the case in one-off characters. Sahara, I'm going to pause you for just a minute. We're going to take a quick break while I try to shut every window in my apartment. And now we're back and slightly more muffled. Sahara, please continue. So, um, anyways, what I wanted to talk about today, then, is kind of discuss the characters that we do have that are LGBTQ identified, and since this is ladies first, mostly on ladies and what have you, um, but then also just thinking about how this actually applies to Muslim characters specifically, but characters in general, because I think part of it is probably that there is an uptick of characters that are identified as Muslim who are no longer Fortunately, playing the one-off terrorist role or um, or whatever issue, but then at the same time, is there actually something to be said about so all of a sudden all the gay all the Muslim characters are gay, which I don't think is true, but maybe mm-hmm. there are a bunch of gay characters. I don't know. Um, so based on that question, I went googling as I do and Wikipedia as always, and I have like five, if that, that are currently recurring or main characters and of those only three are on american shows so u.s produced so freeform and then american gods uh with stars so we've got adina on the bold type and then so who are actually not even all that recurring they were in a couple of episodes so they're coming back and then in british tv we've got nasreen and navid who are not related but they're both gay on a tv show called i actually watched like four episodes of today before this because it was actually really good so What's my tempered suggestion ACLEY or ACKLEY sorry 
Uh, and it's about a, a community where the school is predominantly white, and then there's another school that's predominantly Asian, generally South Asian immigrants, and then they are um, forced to integrate probably for a bunch of reasons. I didn't watch the first episode. I skipped around. And so it talks about <laughs> – it talks come together and how the communities deal with, you know, all the kinds of things that come with that, especially in the context of British, um, you know, the British communities, South Asian immigrants and white um, people who are born there and what have you. And then there's another show called Coronation Street, which is also British, and it has 9,000 episodes, so I didn't, but they've got a Muslim character on there, too. The soap opera that never ends. Why are we talking yeah, about so- prob- We're back on soap operas. Again. This is like the <laughs> third episode I've done with Ladies First that we've mentioned soap operas. Soap operas are great. And I think another Ladies First episode could be talking about how soap operas reflect our um, culture even more so than shows that are supposed to be quote-unquote incisive and, you know, prestige TV, if you will. But anyways, rewinding back to the original conversation at hand, which is to say, okay, so people on Twitter, and this isn't the first time I've seen this, you know, that process either. There's plenty of people who are just homophobes and they're homophobe mm-hmm. Muslims and Christians and what have you. But there is something to be said about, all right, well, if all of the characters we are getting that are Muslim who are main and recurring and aren't one-off characters and they're all gay, what does this mean? Are we definitely not? Are we saying that we have to have Muslim characters who quote-unquote are... And this is a phrasing that I've used before that I don't really agree with or necessarily think it it applies as well as something else could, but the idea behind if we have Muslim characters, then we are, we meaning the people creating these shows, are, you know, causing for social media conversations and what have you. And I think a really good example is Adina, who we've talked about on Ladies First before. She she doesn't have the story that we usually see with, she comes out and goes with all that. She's already come out. Out. she's already dated women um and her perspective is a lot more just in her immigration status she's she's just kind of uh it's with adina i i really appreciated her to start with i don't necessarily condone what they did with her but i thought it was refreshing just from any standpoint of we're moving away from any queer character coming out and having this sort of familial backlash and I think especially you could read in for her it's even more important because either she's Muslim or you know her ethnic background that her parents are just like okay but then you know they they didn't do great things with the character as the seasons progressed so I mean they started off great finished poorly Right. And Adina is hard, too, because I think in the larger context of the show and the writers and just what's happening on Freeform, which is an episode for another day, I think that the writers were really excited to tackle all of these issues. But because, one, season one, they didn't have any writers of color, from my understanding, and they didn't have any kind of, you know, system about going about and talking to people. And, like, sure, Nicole Bashuri can say what she would like to say to advocate for her character, but an actor be the one writing the show because that's what you're writers for so i think it's hard because then we've got this character who especially in the context of wearing hijab is very fashionable and we get to see her in and out of hijab and she's you know actually 
having sex with Kat and they go all the way when it comes to that and they even talk about what that means for Kat as she's realizing her own sexuality, which is awesome. As season two progressed and as we now are hearing about season three filming, we don't really know where Adina is as a character and her character as her own person, not just Kat's love interest, you know, kind of disappears over time. And there's also just how they play around with Kat figuring out what she wants relationships and what have you. But then if Adina's the only one, the only woman, right, on American media currently, mm-hmm. that's one Muslim character out of, I don't even know how many Muslim characters are actually on TV right now because there really aren't that many. And then on top of that, the ones that are written well. Because I can understand the impetus behind saying, well, all Muslim women now are being shown as gay when the last one that we saw was actually a one-off character and how to get, get away with murder. But then I also think it's hard to to say that that's a trope when how to get away with murder as a show the whole premise of the show is to be shocking right so quick backstory the case of the week is um trial for killing her wife turns out that it was actually wife's white son who was trying to kill muslim mom and the muslim mom's also a refugee and originally it was a marriage of convenience so she could get a green card right how to get away with murder what else is new but I don't necessarily think that having that plot is actually a negative thing if it's done well. I think there's a lot to be said about whether it was actually done well with murder. It's chaotic, and the whole premise is, you know, there's always drama. And in the larger um, context of the show, it's in relation to Michaela having called other brown gay man uh, in the season finale for before. So clearly there's a lot to unpack there. But if we've really only got... One, two, three. Oh, and there's a girl named, uh, a woman named Farah in Hollyoaks, which is also British. So clearly British TV has got more Muslim characters right now. And they're also all gay. And then with men, we've only got American Gods and then Navi, like I mentioned, I'm, and probably a couple more in other shows that well, there's so again, much TV. I think the but... issue comes back to with like American media, we're only or I should say United States media, we're only right. just starting to move past the, let's just cast anybody who looks vaguely Middle Eastern as a terrorist. So right, we exactly. are, I think, you could argue, we're pretty far behind the UK when it comes to just having Muslims as regular people and not, you know, the brown terrorist that's screaming certain phrases and wanting right. to blow right. things up that have to be stopped by white savior. Right. And also, and I also- I, the, the thing about conversation in the United States is, you know, Muslims come from all different backgrounds. It's not necessarily Middle Eastern. Um, right. You know, I'm not... <laughs> Middle Eastern. <laughs> I'm not South Asian, you know. Right. For me, where my intersection of being queer and Muslim comes in is a very different experience than I think if you're, you know, Muslim and, you know, Latina or South Asian or Middle Eastern or, you know, East Asian or anything else. And I think even just opening that door. As far as, like, queer representation goes, we are so far away from 
even being able to have that conversation of, oh, mm-hmm. hey, there's a bunch of different Muslims with different backgrounds and their communities are going to react to, you know, queerness in different ways. So it, I think it's unfair that we're holding up these two or three characters as having to be representative of everyone and then drawing these conclusions when like two years ago like all muslims were terrorists right right well and i think too you bring up a really good point so even though we've got a really really rich history of black muslim america you know all of that we really only see middle eastern characters and south asian characters and in fact so dina is from middle east Rana is Pakistani, Nasrin is Pakistani, and then Salim and the Jinn. Well, the Jinn is portrayed as one, you know, ethnicity, mm-hmm. but Jinn are one in context of American gods is also Middle Eastern. But that's because we assign Middle Easternness and Asianness to Islam because that's what we've always been shown. Even though, like you just said, they we Muslims come from all over the world, especially because there's 1.8 something billion of us. So something I read earlier, actually, while I was doing research for this, is that at the end of the day, there's never going to be one perfect representation of a Muslim person because just like Christians are all different and Jewish people are all different, et cetera, et cetera. But because we're so used to seeing one specific overarching character or we don't see any... um, Divas not really the right word, and practicing isn't either, but a lot of times, if we didn't see the terrorist Muslim character, then we saw the Muslim character who wasn't really in touch with what that might mean. And there are plenty of Muslims who are like that, who maybe, mm-hmm. you know, but not all, all the time, and during Ramadan fast as much as they can, but aren't, you know, quote-unquote, devout the entire year. And there's nothing wrong with that, because that's how Muslims are in the real world. But Well, but I we also have- think, I, I think, I think that the other thing to remember with like our media is especially for like US media the existence of muslims wasn't a thing until 911 and then like the entire identity was dominated by terrorists and we somehow got into this thing of like all muslims are brown and we're only just now, I think, getting back to a point where, I mean, obviously with certain political elements, they would love for it to stay at that point. But I think as far as media goes, we're getting back into, okay, they're people, which, you know, it shouldn't be. We're just now getting to this in 2018, but, you know, here we are and, you know, we still have the stereotype like all Muslimas, you know, wear a hijab. Mm-hmm. And that's another loaded question. You know, not every Muslim woman wears hijab. Right. You know, uh, it's a very personal choice. Uh, you know, I do not. You do. Right. But, right. you know, as far as media depiction goes, I am honestly scared of how they try to handle that conversation. Right. Because I can just imagine, like, if the bold type tried to do it, can you, like... Right. The level of just, like, light everything on fire, this is so haram. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think part of it, too, is that media is reactive. Very rarely is media proactive. We're 
particularly in the context of when research comes out that X ethnicity or X background is always shown as criminals or, you know, Y ethnicity or Y background or Y identity is shown as something else that's not positive. Mm-hmm. And then it shows and showrunners and especially if showrunners even get to have the space, right? Because the majority right. of the time showrunners are cis white men um, coming in and actually being able to create writers rooms that are safe because the last few years have shown how that is very clearly not the case and making a space for having these real um, complicated discussions. And it's not even about Muslim identity. It's about any kind of identity. And I think too, a lot of times, I mean, the last Muslim character that I personally, I don't watch the show regularly, but I love is Zarya in Legends of Tomorrow because she comes from a very specific context of being from far in the future where both religion and superpowers are um, outlawed. Her family, she won't be able to go back to see. But then the way they do her with her fasting and the scene between her and Mick, where Mick is like, do you want food? I'm fasting, and he just doesn't get it because it's Mick. But that, like, makes total sense because we all have friends like that who are confused. Or when when Amaya thinks that she's praying and she's like, no, I'm just trying to find something that I lost, which is cute because there are times when that happens too. And it's so – it's one of the few times where I was like, oh, my gosh, go Legends of Tomorrow because the writers really got it. And Hala – Zara is a really sorry sorry um she's a really good I think I mean she's not queer that we know of but I think right. she's a really good here's some rep and she's not like right. this I don't want to say stereotyped rep we have where yeah. like every Muslim woman has to wear hijab and they act a certain way and right. blah 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 right. that you see on American TV yeah. And she's just kind of, she does her own thing. She doesn't wear hijab. Um, but she's, we, we see that she's more or less devout. She observes fasts. Right. And she, she like does her own thing and she's snarky and she has dry humor and she's sarcastic and she's a person. She's not just right. like this exactly. one little religious stereotype. Right. Well, she's fully realized, and I think that's what's so hard for most, I mean, to be honest, most TV characters, even for the shows that are doing really well, a lot of them sometimes have moments where I really wonder, maybe they should take a couple characters out because the show can't handle having these huge ensemble casts, because it takes time to develop people when you only have 45 minutes, or if it's a comedy, 21 minutes to truly, you know, have each character shine, it's super difficult to do that, and it's difficult to do that well over seasons and seasons of television mm-hmm. so it's it's interesting to see this kind of conversation around taking away the conversation where people are just mad about it because there's always going to be people who are unfortunately mad about everything but in the wrong ways right um like even if it was true that every muslim character that we saw was gay i'm not like okay so what there are a lot of muslim gay people and if that's the way the media is trending right now then media will trend that way i would still take that over all Muslims and all Arabs and all South Asian people are terrorists or what have you, or they are only there for one episode or they're just slotted in for like the case of the context of crime shows and law shows. Mm-hmm. Like I like that we're getting these Layers. characters who are developed. Yes, exactly. That they're layered and some are executed better. That's a terrible phrase there. Some are uh, shown better. Than- <laughs> some are um, showcased better than others. Because clearly Adina is not one of them, sadly. But on the other hand, from the four episodes that I watched of Ackley Bridge today and what I've read and the gif sets that I've seen, you know, it's 
it's done did in a great way. Jeff again? Also, I said did Jeff. You, did you say Jeff? <laughs> Why do you do this to him? Oh, this pains my heart. I'm sorry. It's just how I learned how to say it. And it's the writer's fault. He should have just, or the creator's fault. Should have just spelled it J-I-F if that's what he wanted. I know. But, but then you have copyright with the peanut butter. I know. That's why you should say GIF. So, GIF because you say GIF, everybody thinks about <laughs> peanut butter. That went on a tangent. Uh, I apologize so, for that. <laughs> <laughs> so GIF or JIF for just moving pictures like in Harry Potter. God, I can't believe I made that reference. The point is that um, when I was looking at things to see, because I didn't want to just, you know, recommend a show without having watched any of it, it was really interesting seeing the reactions and the tags from folks. And there's one scene, and actually we'll put the link to the GIF set, because at this point, I mean, I don't, it's not really a spoiler. Um, there's this really cool moment where her mom, who's Pakistani, when um, Nasreen first comes out, she's like, I can't hear this because she's, scared right that's a scary thing to hear from your kid no matter what no matter whether you're accepting or not i think that it's truly scary in the world that we live in to hear that your child is not straight when that's the default and we know the world doesn't you're afraid for your child's safety exactly exactly do to your child exactly and so i thought that was played really well and then later in the episode (laughs) this is so great she goes and she just starts looking for lesbians and then finally this like She's, like, crying a little bit, and this white lady comes up to her. She's like, are you all right? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. I don't need anything. And then she's like, never mind. I'm looking for lesbians. And then she finds another Pakistani lesbian, which is great. And what was so interesting is she was like, you know, you you walked away from your family, which framing of this, right? No one ever Mm -hmm. says your family walked away from you. Um, But the character says, no, I couldn't. So I got married. And, And it shifts the scene for a second, and this white woman comes in, and she's like, this is my partner. And this is our daughter. And then her husband comes in. And then the scene shifts again. And um, Nasreen's mom, you know, so wait, you married a man who likes Ben? How does this work? And she goes, yeah, whenever we go home, we're Mr. and Mrs. Kapoor. But when we're here, we're me and Kate, Vikram and Bob, and then our child together, which is a very interesting take on how do you keep your family, especially in this context where the majority of the family isn't in the same country as you. Mm-hmm. but then still get to be your true self. And is that something that works for everyone? Absolutely not. Is it a completely new way of dealing with that experience, especially for a very, um, a culture that's always shown a specific way and is, is a specific way? Because there's nothing wrong with saying that like certain cultures do approach different issues differently. That's just how the world works. Right. I just thought it was very refreshing. Mm-hmm. And then later she tells her daughter she'll be there for her. And she was sorry for, you know, being scared and just not talking to her about it, which I thought was really cool. So, well, anyway, reminded, that's Ackley Bridge. It reminds me a little bit of One Day at a Time with um, Penelope. Lydia. Yeah. Well, no, her mom getting used to it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Like, it just, it wasn't that she didn't love her daughter. It just, it was taking her a little while to catch up. Right. Right. But again, you know, that's how, and we see how Lydia deals with it, and they're, you know, they're a Cuban family. And I think what's really great about seeing better representation in media is we're getting a better look into something outside of our personal worldview. You know, because for me, Mm -hmm. you know, the bigger fear of reverting to Islam was 
over, you know, being queer. The bigger fear within my little community was reverting to Islam, not being gay or, you know, bi or whatever. Because the current climate right, right now is so Islamophobic, they're more afraid something is going to happen to me for being Muslim than for being gay. Right, right, right. Well, I think... So and that's, I'll go back to I mean, that's, bridge just because just for a second, let me I'll finish this really quick and I'll let you talk. I'm yeah. not trying to talk over. No, you. go for it. And I think that's something that no, no, no. especially reverts have to deal with. Yeah. More like, you know, if you're a born Muslim, you grow up and you have this entire community and uh, you know, they are generally of your ethnic background. <laughs> But if you come from middle America where it's super, you know, all one specific color and, you know, you are, you know, making that choice to revert, then you have an entirely different set of experiences than somebody who's a born Muslim and, you know, your community has always been Muslim. Right. And I'm... I'm, hopeful like with at least Adina there was that step forward of it's not just always family drama that we could have moved beyond that but you know the book like killed that hope dead right well and to be quite honest is it exhausting to always have the family doesn't immediately open their arms to you and there might be trauma with that like yes that is exhausting but it's also to be honest it's also sadly still the truth for a lot of people like some Mm -hmm. people are just never going to be able to come out to their family and I don't think that there's anything wrong with portraying that truth if it's done sensitively and well and I think Ashley Bridge does it well because some of the parents are like what is this and they get in the larger context of the show right it's a completely different cultural background than me right so I mean I Uh, I like that we can portray this because obviously like you know, where I'm from, the bigger fear is that you're Muslim and not that you're gay. <laughs> but that's not the same for everybody. Right. Well, and also, I think it's because, again, it's it's what's been the dominant portrayals. Mm-hmm. So even though we're still, it's still important to have that because we do want all of the different experiences portrayed, which is impossible to do because you literally need 7 billion TV shows, etc., whatever. Right. But I think it's important that we still get that and that it's written by people and it's by people who actually are experiencing it themselves. I think real quick, Doctor Who... It's not what you think should be written for drama. Exactly. And I think Doctor Who right now, I've seen great things, is doing similarly where in the sixth episode of the season, you're the one who showed this to me. They're going to go back in time and, you know, Yasmin... Yaz is going to try to figure out stuff for for her family and it's an Indian man who's writing the story. It's not just some... British dude who has a very personal connection connection to to it. it. He actually wrote an entire play based off of his grandparents' journey from when, um, I think it was in 1947, when the British were, Mm -hmm. you know, ceding control back over, and how his grandparents wound up in the UK. I mean, it is a very personal story for him. And I really like that Chris Chibnall is like, hey, you know what I shouldn't be writing? (laughs) All of these episodes about specific characters and backgrounds. Yes. <laughs> Which is but we need strange. more of that. And that you don't get that without yeah. diverse uh, writers' rooms. Right, exactly. Who are willing to actually support the craft. Um, because I think, too, as shows, 
we have the, I think the directors and the producers and whatever, they have this great idea about portraying whatever issue of the week, quote, unquote, you know, after school, you know, style drama of it all. But because they're not actually coming from it from their own experience, it falls entirely flat and you can tell where it's very two dimensional, you know, writers. Exactly. And you can't, and at that point you can tell when writers are just using it to throw in a character because it'll be easy to do. Um, because, you know, gay Muslims themselves aren't the trope here. The trope is that we have gay Muslim characters who are written poorly because mm-hmm. they're just being put in the show to be put in the show. But that could be said about any kind of character with more than one identity, because unfortunately we're still at a point where, that we've come a really long way from how the different characters are portrayed. You know, we still have a lot, lot way well, to go I mean, as well. Going on, like, look at how big of a discussion there was about Crazy Rich Asians being, oh, yeah. like, existing as a movie. Right. Or, right. you know, you ta- I've talked about before with, you know, Native American representation. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, we've talked about Black Lightning before. We've talked at length about One Day at a Time and why it's so oh, yeah. important that we have authentic representation in our media because it's very hard, if, especially if you're kind of in an insular bubble, to see beyond, you know, what's 100 feet in front of you. You know, especially right. if the media well, is the only way you can see that. I know growing up, I didn't. You know, before I reverted to Islam, I did not have much of a way to gain any kind of insight. All you had, you know, before the internet really got kicked off was, and I know I'm dating myself here and I feel old, but all you really had was media. (laughs) Right, right. And even now, you still have media as the predominant driving factor of, like, shaping, you know, our opinions. Well, I mean, that's why lots of different, uh, you know, political organizations and this is a little extreme, but it's true. But like dictators have used media as propaganda because it sticks with you. You pay attention to the stuff that you watch. And so if you have things in in the media about whatever community, then that's what people are going to think. And especially like you just said, if they're aware, you don't see a lot of it. I'm from North Texas up in a very diverse place but i went to college i was the first muslim that they met which blew my mind because what how is that possible mm-hmm. but i was and those people with the people with the people that had never met a muslim before me uh, i was patient and you know i i, I cut them a little bit of slack because to be fair to them they truly had never seen and they didn't have any media to go to so when they asked me silly questions i was okay with it but if there was someone who very clearly came from somewhere where they knew other Muslims or have you, and they would ask me silly questions about whether I shower with my scarf on, I would right. laugh at their face and walk away because no, do you shower with your clothes on? What is wrong? With well, you? I think there's if you a do, maybe. Of... <laughs> yeah, I think like with good faith. You know, I think good faith is being right. able to discern good faith, and also like I don't necessarily want everybody trying to go get their information from Google because, unfortunately, there are a lot of really bad information sources out there that are propaganda. And if you don't know any better, you can get sucked down a really bad rabbit hole. And I would like, you know, we talk about, I've said before, like Native American representation. I don't want to be your sole source of education, but I would sure as shit you come and ask me a question in good faith than, you know, accidentally wind up down a white nationalist rabbit hole. 
<laughs> which is unfortunately very easy to get into now thanks to YouTube. It's cool. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, whatever. My entire like journey to Islam was because we had somebody at where I work with my day job that started that I was like, oh, hey, I'm going to read up on this because I know you live in a super white area and I want to be welcoming. And then it wound up like, oh, hey, here's a bunch of stuff I never knew before. And then I was bugging Sahar like constantly asking you a ton of questions. And I just remember being like, wow, Corey's awesome. Awesome. She just wants to be really friendly to this new dude. And then all of a sudden you were asking me these detailed questions. And I was like, oh my gosh, welcome. Join us. <laughs> well, next thing I know, I'm fasting for Ramadan. It's like, okay. Uh, but, you know, it's um, everybody has their different path to coming to this. And I think yeah. that's why it's so important that we have good representation because, again, where I grew up, all I didn't have an access to this. You know, I'm old enough that I consider myself well-read, but there was still this entirely new world that I was opened up to once I actually started. You know, you gave me some points to start with, and once I started right. going down that, I'm like, holy crap. So, you know, and media is the, it's a doorway for that. It's either an obstacle, mm -hmm. a closed door, or it's an open door. And we've seen right. this, you know, with just queer media. I'm not talking about queer Muslim media. But, right. you know, during the mid, earlier 2010s, I guess. I don't know what we're calling this decade. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> when Glee happened and that took off. And then we unfortunately had that spate of suicides with gay youth. There was right. suddenly a national conversation, and Glee just happened to be airing at a time where it was really pushing that door open. And we can see, right. you know, it's not perfect, but, you know, you wrote that article on the CW about their LGBT representation. Right, right. And how, you know, right now, most of their shows at least have one queer character on them, and that's just kind of like their default anymore. Right. So, I... I think we can get there, but the importance of having it, I think, can't be overstated because it, the normalization factor. And I mean, the CW is a really good example, especially what we were talking about a couple minutes ago, where they're all for one, um, or the CW is for all uh, advertisement. They talk about how a lot of the times their shows are really the only places a couple of some of their viewers are seeing different characters mm -hmm. and the CW is in a very interesting space as the fifth network as the smallest where they are moving with their shows especially with how ratings work for them which go read my articles if you want to know what I'm talking about there um, they do they, they push and they try really hard and sometimes the you know actual implementation of that is not necessarily the best since everyone sometimes do learn from their mistakes. I think Jane the Virgin is a really good example. Everything with Louisa and Rose is um, partly toxic. It's a telenovela, partly because it's just well, yes, toxic, but the representation of those two characters is partly terrible because of the way the telenovela tropes are applied there, but also because it's just not written well. Like, mm -hmm. it's toxic, it's unhealthy. But later Louisa in the series, is... we have... Exactly, we get... Yeah. We I have am a... working on their names. <laughs> I got you, and we've got JR, second Jane, if you will, and mm -hmm. how Petra realizes, oh my gosh, I am in love with this woman. 
And instead of who did JR shoot, which I thought was hilarious. But anyway. That relationship, though, (laughs) compared to, you know, the first one that shall not be named like Voldemort, you know, Petra and JR has been, for a telenovela, quite healthy. Exactly. Obviously, the caveat being for a telenovela. Right. Well, and I think, I mean, I think that's definitely something to be said about the writers there, you know, whether it took them a long time, because the other thing, too, is that TV shows, they're shot really far in advance. So criticisms don't come into play until way later. Mm-hmm. They they either listened or someone as part of the group figured it out that they needed to do better. And so they did. And it makes me hopeful that, like I talk about in my most recent article about the history of LGBT characters on American TV, TV's super short. We haven't even hit 70 years yet. So in 70 years, we've come a really long way, and a lot of it was in the last, oh, I should remember decade. this, I just wrote it, like 40, yeah, the last decade, and then overall, the first gay character wasn't even until 1979, if I remember correctly, also on a soap opera, funnily enough, it was, it was called Soap, and it was yeah, about Billy soap Crystal's operas, and it was hilarious. Soap. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, exactly. um, Jeremiah and I did, <laughs> talked about that show on, um, an episode of Fireside Fundamentals, like, earlier this month. Oh my gosh, it all comes down to soap operas. I know. It's the new, it's the new thing. I feel like I need <laughs> to get a tinfoil hat on. <laughs> um, but, but the CW, I think it's though, I think the CW, they're smaller, so I think they play more with progressing characters. Like, where can we find our niche compared to the bigger networks, but I think it works for them. You know, um, Legends of Tomorrow, they're really hyping up. Like, it's just natural that Sarah and Ava are together. It's part of the promo materials. Um, Supergirl with uh, Nia Nall, played by Nicole Maines. You know, Mm -hmm. that's groundbreaking. I don't care who you're talking about. That's a groundbreaking character. Um, Black Lightning. Uh, that we've talked right. at length. Um, right. You know, I know you and I, when the episode just aired, we were like, you were telling me about Grace and An- Anissa, and I'm like, oh, yeah. this is so yeah. much drama. But, you know, they're just going for it, and they're letting their LGBT characters exist just like any other character. And I think that's the important part. It's the same with right. Zari. You know, she gets to exists just like any other character and i think that's where their strengths are even if the stories suck sometimes yeah well and i i do want to say i think part of what's so hard with the cw is that for the last few years so much of their canon is dctv and unfortunately because of stuff that was going on behind the scenes which i've talked about in articles it was not a healthy space for the writers or the crew mm-hmm. or the cast to be around and i think that is very much reflected in a lot of the stories if you've got people who are in charge writing from a place of negativity that affects the characters. And now all these shows are trying to make up for it. I think Flash is doing a great job. Introducing Nora was exactly what the show needed. If Nora ends up being the new, okay. And then I hate the way that LGBTQ characters are now spoilers, but if she's the character that they were talking about, I will literally like die because, oh my gosh, Nora is so much chaotic gay energy. Not the point. Point is the shows are doing a lot better now because they're moving forward. And I think, all of their new shows, too. I mean, All-American, which I haven't watched because I just – football. I don't care. Even though I'm from the South, I know. Sue me. But the story itself with Coop, who is a lesbian friend, also played by a lesbian – played by a person who is a lesbian in real life, which is awesome. You know, 
that is true to the story where she's going to be coming out to her family, and it's probably going to be slightly difficult because of where they set the story. But I hope that they'll do it well. Or now we've got Charmed, we've got um, Mel and Nico, which is awesome. And mm-hmm. it's an interracial relationship without a white person, which we so rarely get. So exactly. there are things that are happening, which is really exciting. I mean, and yeah, it happens on other shows too, but I really like what the CW does is a lot of the um, characters aren't necessarily white, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, there's no, like, compulsory, like, we have to, like, somehow shove some whiteness in here. Yeah. Which, you know, for other networks, it feels like they're not quite there yet. <laughs> I yeah. don't know how else to better put that. No, and I mean, the CW for their their new shows this season, their whitest show, is also kind of one of the most, in my opinion, problematic shows in the dark Story about the boy and girl, but she's a drunk, blah, blah, blah. Not played by a blind person, whatever. Coming on the midseason, we'll see how it does. But that's the widest show. I think it's got, like, two people of color. And then about Roswell, New Mexico, at least they're trying. We'll see how that one does as well. Even mm-hmm. though, to me, I just call it Vampire Diaries, New Mexico. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because you're right. The CW, I think, does a lot of things really well that other networks could follow. And then on the flip side, when we do have LGBT characters, sometimes they're tokenized still, unfortunately, but then also how they're tokenized is interesting. So Fox is a, is a good example. They um, piloted a show that is supposed to be, I don't know if it's going to be mid-season or if it's actually for the next fall season, but it's got, oh, I just liked on her name. She was in King of Hearts, but she is playing the new partner so it's a woman and a man who are married but the woman is actually gay and then they're raising their kids together in quote middle america unquote whatever whatever the heck that means and i think that's interesting because is fox doing that because they care about lgbt representation i don't know are they doing it because they want more viewers because roseanne and now the connors did really well probably more of that being the reason right Mm -hmm. but it's interesting to see that because they they developed that and then this season I mean, they're developing a show with a half-Pakistani lesbian. And I think that if this woman um, feels comfortable being on a show for Fox and the studio and everything like that, that's pretty awesome. So we're moving forward because it's about her own life, which is great. It's not just some character that was made up out of nowhere. So I Mm -hmm. think that the broadcast networks, especially considering how well streaming is doing and how well direct-to-consumer is doing, especially with Netflix now, and with Disney trying to follow in its steps and the other 10,000 streaming <laughs> um, companies that are coming, or streaming products that are coming up, it's interesting to see how broadcast follows. And I think that's partly why people are kind of like, oh my gosh, all of these characters that are Muslim are also gay. When really, we've only got like five characters and they're not, not a single one of them is on broadcast. They're on right. cable and streaming and not even in the US for that matter. So I think it'll be interesting to see if we started to get regularly showing if we started regularly showing lgbt muslim or other religious characters how that would come about on broadcast because broadcast is still like we've come a really long way but broadcast itself is still moving so slowly compared to streaming partly because of how advertising works and because it's supposed to be the most broadly reaching so Mm. i mean i get it like capitalism you got to do what you got to do but well i just want to get some positive like i loved the idea of adina <clears throat> oh yeah 
how Adina wound up was so bitterly disappointing. Like, I, mm-hmm. even if it's not on broadcast right now, I'll take it on cable streaming. Give me a WLW Muslim that mm-hmm. can exist on her own sphere. And I think part of the problem with the bold type was they had a really good character with Adina, with Adina but she could have been on her own show. Oh, absolutely. And the problem is, this isn't her show. And I, it feels right. like they wound up having to diminish her potential to fit her in with Kat. Yeah. And I really would have rather they just uh, had done a spinoff and let Adina just gallivant around the world and lesbian it up and be her awesome Muslim self and her awesome artist self and do everything else. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that's part of the problem was... The archetype for Adina was too big for that show with what they had to keep her into. I agree. And I think, to be honest, unpopular opinion, but I don't even like one of the leads on Jane the Virgin. I mean, Jane the Virgin. Wow. It's because something on my Twitter just had that on there. On the bold type. Um, I don't like uh, Jane because she just bores me. So then you've got Kat and Sutton who are awesome, but then all of them are like all of these other characters are diminished to make other characters and other leads be more um prominent more more dominant more successful and Mm -hmm. i think one of the really good examples of that and to be honest we're always spoiling you guys so spoilers if you haven't watched tpt recently um the situation where you know jane gets mad about Sutton not wanting to talk to her mom because it's all about jane's pain and it's all about jane's angst and it's just like be there for your friend man like the first season honestly that episode pissed me off (laughs) Because yes. I'm really tired <laughs> of media shoving that whole, oh, you have to keep reaching out to toxic people, even when you really should cut that cord. And it really yep. pissed me off that Jane never got told off for that. Because, like, yep. yeah, you don't get to tell somebody that they have to go be with their toxic family. Yeah, just because you have lost your parent. And I get it, like, parent loss is difficult. I've never had it, but I've had friends who have, and it's it's in, it's an incredible loss. But I think when media does that, and especially in context of where the show was going this season, and now as we are seeing, you know, snippets from behind the scenes for their filming season three, which I think is almost done, actually, you know, what does the show end up becoming? Is this show about three girls and their really amazing friendship and taking on the publishing world and the fashion world? Or does it just become about this one character and everyone else falls to the wayside? And because of that, all of the attached characters all of the significant others and friends are also diminished. So you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. If Adina had her own show, it would be great because it would be centered on her. And it would be, if we got a show where the show is centered on an actual, you know, gay character, in this case, a gay woman who gets to date and be her own person and also be whatever level of Muslim, if you know, however you want to phrase that, devout, practicing, etc. that would be amazing. I would love mm-hmm. that. Oh my gosh, please. Give it to me right away. I will watch that show and I will cheer it on until it falls apart because sadly so many things are falling apart. Right. But I think that Adina is, is there's just so much there that they could have done. And I think the wasted it's a potential is what bothers me the most. Yep, yep exactly. And, and it's just sad because then you have all of these fans who are really excited, right? We were all so excited to see how season two would turn out because a lot of us were like, oh, season one had some missteps. A lot of them sometimes, especially when it comes to the handling of race, whatever. But but the show itself was funny. Like, it was just a fun show, right? We wanted uh-huh. to see these friends rule the world, you know, rule New York, if you will. And then it just all 
falls apart. And then it, it's a disservice to Kat as well. And it's a disservice to Sutton. And it's even a disservice to Jane, to be honest. So I don't know. I just, I think the whole, like, complaint about all Muslim characters are now gay doesn't really hold any water when we don't even have that many Muslim characters. And if they all are gay, then so what? Like, that's awesome. All of the gay Muslims on the planet right now have something to look up to. And then maybe the next character that comes about is the, I don't really know how to phrase this, the quote-unquote traditional devout Muslim? Because clearly what's happening here is we're dichotomizing gay Muslim versus traditional Muslim, which is terrible. Right. It shouldn't be happening. The implication there so. being that there is a divide between either you can be a devout Muslim or you can be gay. Which, yeah. you know, or is, is in the not the space of... that you or I inhabit. Right, exactly. To be honest, I think this kind of goes back to the conversations about how, like, is there an issue with Muslims sometimes always being shown as, like, having trouble so they go and drink and they have premarital sex or they eat pork? That does happen a lot, but that also is the case. I mean, there are Muslims who do that, so I, it's, it's hard. Well, it's like you have with Christians. You have devout Christians, and then you have Christians that show up at church for, like, Christmas and Easter. You know, it's... And I think... I do think that's part of the problem, like you said, of, like, here... Before now, it's... You only see devout, devout, stereotype devout, you know, Muslims. There's no gray area. Right. There's no room for the breadth of experiences. And mm-hmm. I and I completely I completely understand the knee jerk reaction from Muslims. And even I feel this way sometimes, especially with the pork thing, just because like I don't eat pork, I don't get it. Like whatever makes you happy. So like that is something that like knee jerk, I'm just like, Ugh, I don't care that this character eats pork, who cares? Like whatever. I eat stuff with gelatin in it sometimes, it's not a big deal. Whatever. But I think because when it comes to like larger pieces of your identity, you know, pork eating isn't really an identity label. Although people in America would love to make it because bacon's put on everything. But I know, being like gay our or, country is or, obsessed or, with bacon. <laughs> but, I or, mean, so I guess that is a good... <laughs> it seems like we focus on this one tiny aspect as opposed to, you know, like, for me, one of the big things that drew me to Islam was the focus on, you know, we have to take care of each other, we have to keep people who are less fortunate, you know, the social justice aspect. But that's not what's focused on Mm -hmm. in the media. It's like, oh, my God, you eat bacon. Right, exactly. Because Nobody cares about the social justice aspect. Everybody cares about hijab and bacon, it seems like. And maybe I'm speaking out of turn, (laughs) but from what I've seen growing up, it's like hijab and bacon and terrorism. No, you're completely right, because... The number of people who've come up to me and they're like, I'm so sad you've never had bacon. And I'm like, do you go up to people who don't, like, cannot hear and get mad that they can't, like, <laughs> listen to music the same way as you do? I know it's not the perfect parallel, but it's the same idea. It's like the same kind of baconism, man. I don't know, because bacon is such a culture and there's such a, honestly, it's like a cult. Around the bacon. U.S. is obsessed but, with bacon. <laughs> but I think, I think the real issue is that we just don't, allow for the true multifacetedness of people and it's not just muslim characters i mean we've mm. had the same we've had very similar issues with jewish characters i mean i think of harry potter and gringotts and the elves i mean to this day we're still dealing with the same terrible stereotypes so it's how do we move past the default as christian and actually show the veritable wealth of experiences that other religious folks have to offer i mean i don't even know if i've seen a hindu lesbian 
or, you know, a Buddhist lesbian character. I mean, do those exist? No, because we never talk about other religions. And by using the job, it's super visible because it's too hard to just have them, you know, in the corner pray real quick or, like, say something to their parent that's very clearly, like, quote-unquote, you know, like, it's just no one knows how to do well, that. Well, even default just a is... quick little, that's haram. Right, yes. You Everyone were, use my catchphrase, please. Did you bring your haram button? I did, but it's sitting on my desk. I forgot to put it on uh, my by my sure. laptop. One day you I can go get it. It'll take like haram button. One day. It, well, really, all we, all you have to do is just pretend that I hit the button because all it says is that's haram in that exact yeah. voice by me. <laughs> but it's that's great. still just like, like, an easy way of like, you know, who says haram? Muslims. There you go. That's haram. Done. Solid. Done. <laughs> I don't know. Instead I just, of I... reacting to, you know, something completely crazy and outlandish happening on TV, you have non-Muslim characters saying something, and then the Muslim characters are just kind of like, that's haram. There you go. Yes. Yes. Honestly, that should be the title of my um, autobiography. That's, that's haram. haram. <laughs> I'm going to do it. <laughs> I fully like, support again. this. Corey and I definitely don't like all of our serious episodes always end up in just like utter chaos and it's not that we're saying that like we can't have all of the things that we have we just want everything to be better and it would just be nice if people would understand that having characters in this episode's context that are gay that are also Muslim right and that's an example are also Muslim right Mm. they're Muslim characters who are like identities we all hold multiple identities I mean you just talked about four of yours if I can count right in one episode and there's yeah. so many more so I think that it will just be interesting to see where the TV world goes in the next few years especially with uh, broadcast ratings dipping. Maybe broadcast decides to add a lot of wild and out their characters quote unquote to get those ratings because right now they don't have many so I don't know but we'll I don't... just have to see We you have to hope for the best Yes, you know and also you know and just our smaller media, you know, I know there's a lot of content creation going on with like web series and everything that I oh, think yeah, absolutely. great strides could be made and, oh, hey, I'm going to be better about this here and I'm just mm-hmm. going to go out of my way to get X writer or put X character in and get X writer to write X character just to add it in there because that's real life. And I think it's easier to do when we do our own smaller media, like with our web series or right. even just in fiction. You know, it shouldn't be left up to the broadcasters. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of the good media actually does good media. The, the media that has had um, good how they present their characters have been a lot of the smaller things. Or, mm-hmm. well, maybe not be the right word, but they're not, you know, they're not on TV proper, but their web series is, or their interactive comic books or graphic novels or what have you. Mm-hmm. Like, just Google to see if we have have any Muslim web series happening and there doesn't seem to be many right now but there's one called Unfair and Ugly which is great because it's a playoff of uh, Fair and Lovely which is that skin skin bleaching cream that is you know all over South Asia and other parts of the world but the premise is again Pakistani Muslim woman dealing with the world because we all deal with crap and it's great to you know be able to look at our media to help us deal with the crap right so well, we're running out of time. Um, thank you, guys. If you've stuck uh, in with us this long, I know we've kind of 
gone everywhere in this episode, but we it was a conversation that we'd been wanting to have, and you know, Sahara saw that comment, and it, I think that was just finally like that little catalyst that yes made us be like, you know, we're gonna have this conversation now. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you, as always, for having an open mind. If you have any thoughts about what we've said or you think maybe we missed a point, you know, hit us up in the comments. We love hearing from you guys. Also, don't forget to check out our other podcasts, um, The Fundamentalist, Unabashed Book Snobbery, Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics, and Right to Survive. And... If you have been living under a rock or you just have never made it to the end of any of the ladies' first podcasts in the last few months, <laughs> we do have a new service, um, Fundamentals Plus, that you can get exclusive content from either articles or movie rewatches or podcasts from the editors. It helps us support the site. It's uh, $3 a month or 30 if you want a yearly subscription and it just kind of helps us keep the lights on and we greatly appreciate your support. And I think we're about at the end of our time. I know my voice is going. I'm sure Sahara is like, wrap it up, Corey. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Find us on Twitter. Alright, you guys take care. We'll see you next time. <laughs>